I was saying this on my stream the other day to my fan followers because they were asking me about how to get how to grow their channels. And I was like, I don't think you should be uh, anything except yourself. Like, <laughs> you should be honest about your opinions. You should be you should be able to like make friends with people with anybody and to disagree with them at the same time. Like you should never agree with somebody 100% ever. That's weird. That's like a cult. That's what a cult follower does with a leader. You know what I mean? And when the even when the leader steps out of line, sometimes the cults, they got to bring him back in. Like, hey, you can't say that. You, 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 you're, you're supposed to stand for something. If, if you're behaving like you should be a hive mind organism, contributing to the group and therefore the group's growing in popularity and the group is doing something positive and you're contributing, if you step out of that, you have a bullseye in your face. Hello and welcome to CultureScape, the show that interviews the geek creators and influencers that built our modern nerd culture. We have with us the enigmatic Lofty Pixels, the Twitter and video viral sensation responsible for some of the most popular video memes you might have seen. Lofty is the meme guy and video editor for the popular YouTube channel The Quartering, where he assists Jeremy Hambly with putting together segments and very funny opening meme videos. Lofty is here to talk about his career, uh, how he got into content creation, what that entails, and how to make a meme go viral. Uh, I'd also like to talk about Lofty's goals to uh, provide interesting but honest content. One of the things I love about Lofty is that he will tell you if he thinks something is woke or not woke, and he won't embellish it like uh, many of us are tempted to do. If you want, if you like what you hear today, you can follow uh, Lofty on his YouTube channel and Twitter account, same name at Lofty Pixels. We will discuss all this and more. Thank you, Lofty, for coming on the show. Thanks for having me on, man. That was a good, that was a good intro. I like it. Nice. Okay, Lofty. So um, you are a. Uh, we are in, with you in your uh, VTuber persona. Yeah, it's just the easiest. It's the easiest uh, way for me to <laughs> exist on the internet. I don't like having a camera up twenty four seven. For just a variety of random reasons, but yeah, it's just easy for me. A lot of people think it's funny, <laughs> so I do it for the humor, uh, partially think, as well. <laughs> yeah. I think it keeps you interesting. It's like, who is this guy? Who is this strange, <laughs> Lofty? <laughs> which true. they speak. Okay, so Lofty, tell us a little bit about your career. Um, how did you get into uh, making videos? How did you become interested in video editing? Um. Well, yeah, like internet video editing in this day and age is like um, kind of chaos. It's just chaos. Like you don't, first of all, I didn't go to school for any of it. Um, and I wouldn't recommend, I wouldn't, if you want to do like, just I'll, I'll start by saying this. If you want to do video editing for YouTube or Twitch or anything like that, you don't need to go to school. So what I did mm. was um, I taught myself how to do editing. Um, I started by making funny videos. So in high school, I did short films. I, I actually worked on some short films with, you know, friends and feature, a feature length film. But really, it was just making videos that I thought were funny, putting them up on my YouTube channel. Um, and people started to notice um, some of them went viral. And then essentially, I just used those as a, as, as a, as a portfolio <laughs> uh, to get a job 
with a big YouTube channel. And that, that's how I started. Um, this was, um, the YouTube channel was a gaming channel called skill up. Um, highly recommend if you're into video games, I highly recommend, uh, his channel and layman gaming, um, was the other one. They're, they're brothers, but I, yeah, I got a job with them and they, they gave me a shot and, um, yeah, it was awesome. That was a great experience. So how did you go from there to where you are currently, uh, working with, uh, the quartering? Well, I went to E3 in 2019 with them and I did about 15 videos in the span of like four days for them on their channel. Um, I did some networking there and then I ended up using those videos as a, a, a portfolio for somebody. Well, Jeremy at the time from the quartering was looking for an, an editor and he actually referenced them in his, you know, his resume request. Um, mm-hmm. He was looking for similar content. They were doing meme insertions in, in some of their long form video content. They would put some memes in there um, just to make it more funny and, and do some quirky editing. And that's what he wanted. And then, like I said, I, have, I had a portfolio ready to go. And I was the fr- I sent him an email and then I did a test for him. And then I got hired for that. And that was back in 2020. That was right. For me, that was wild because I was supposed to go to Japan to teach English for a year or two, two years. Yeah. And then COVID hit and that completely fell off. Like I would, nobody really went (laughs) like that entire class of teachers, like, um, of those, um, like the jet program or whatever. Um, anyway, so that I was depressed about that. And then I, um, I was able to get a job with the courting like a month later. I I, I was shocked. I was like, well, that worked out really well. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that was that was it seemed like there were there were bigger plans for you, even though right. I'm sure teaching in Japan would be an awesome experience. I, I, I would I would have loved it. I, I've been to Japan before and I love it. I love Japan. I love Yokohama, Akihabara, Tokyo. Um, that's where I was. But yeah. OK, so let's get into what what the job entails. So how do you guys uh, pick your topics or your targets. How do you, how, what's the workflow you, you and your team like to use? Okay. That's a great question. Two, two things before I answer that. Number one, I might, if my headset dies, I'm just going to plug it in, but it might, I, 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 I guess if you're editing that, that's not a huge problem, (laughs) but number two, number two, I would say this. Well, first of all, I'm, I'm currently freelance. So I worked for Jeremy, uh, for about three years, 2020 to 2020 to Jane, December of 2022. So about, I can't do math, but that that's how, I, and then, <laughs> and then last month I kind of went freelance. It was getting a little bit, cause I'm trying to kind of do my own thing at the moment. And it was getting a little bit complicated working full-time with somebody else. And, um, it just, it wasn't working as it, as it functioning as it used to. So when, what we mm-hmm. did, what we ended up doing was getting two other editors and um just making a transition but um so right now i'm freelance but you asked about workflow yeah how do you how do you figure out what you want to cover what's the process you go through to get there well it's when you're working with a big youtuber and they they have all the content that they want and they and then you're basically the producer i I was basically the producer slash editor um I just do basically we work we have a system where he says okay we're going to cover Elon Musk today 
um, gives me a little bit of, you know, heads up. Um, I come up with an idea for a funny skit. So basically what I was doing was just making funny content for, for the first two minutes of his video to hook an audience. And that's a big thing. Hooking an audience is the first two minutes is huge. If you just see a guy talking like right off the bat and like it's, it's, and if it's not an interesting topic, you won't get views. So we, we figured out was, um, you know, if we're talking about Elon Musk, I might have, to, I might have to make a, uh, a reference to like Iron Man or something, or, you know, like Tony Stark and do like a funny pop culture reference. Um, and so he would give me a little bit of leeway and I would come up with an idea. And then in about 90 minutes, I would turn around, a, you know, a two minute thing for him and send it, you know, via OneDrive um, remotely. And this is this, we did this like three, four times a day. And then that's kind of the workflow. It's very organic. It's just, hey, I have an idea. We're going to talk about Elon Musk. We're going to talk about, um, uh, you know, a game, uh, GameStop or some other, you know, video game or entertainment thing, Disney. And then I have to come up with some ideas for it. And then, you know, that turned into a lot of you, a lot of um, positive things for his channel. I think we, we gained 600,000 subscribers in about t uh, one year <laughs> when I started. Yeah, it was wild it was a wild year yeah it was it was kind of fun to see for you know i like jeremy he's a good guy and mm -hmm. he, he was successful obviously beforehand but um that extra yeah. level that kind of raised it up and uh, it does seem to help his popularity right and you're you are correct you know talking head youtube they they don't typically mix it up that's changing you guys probably played a, a role in that i'm sure but I'm yeah sure i don't know I, it's weird because um, I have noticed other people doing similar stuff lately, and it's great because I would like more humor in in the community, if you want to call it, you know, whatever whatever this online space is. I think the funnier the better. <laughs> so if we can if we can get away from just um, and just evolve the whole um, evolve the the style, like you know, you know, we're constantly trying to hook people and bring them in and and talk about pop culture and talk about things that we're interested in. We got to be entertaining, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Put some, put some pride into your work. So mm -hmm. for this, this job, it's uh, so you, so you're saying you're doing like three or four. So you probably do about 90 minutes for each. So I'm sure that's so just the work of it, but to do this job, you probably have to like, Make sure you get up at a certain time. Make sure you're aware of what's going on. I'm sure you have to kind of understand what's going yeah. on in the zeitgeist on Twitter. So I imagine that there's a lot of the work you do there that's just for background to keep you sharp. Yeah, that's like something you just got to do. No matter how much you don't like it. Like if, you, if you're not a, a Twitter consumer, <laughs> you, mm -hmm. you, you got to be. Um, or at least you have to watch a lot of content. Um, in order to stay up to date on all this stuff and, and to get the breaking news out, right? And that's that's the majority of our view of the quarterings views came from breaking news the first 12 hours. Like that was 90% of his his um his viewership. And a lot of these channels, 90% or whatever, 80 plus percent of the views come in within the first 12 hours. And then two days later, three days later, it's irrelevant. So um that's that it's very weird. Yes, because, you know, if we're talking about Elon buying Twitter three days later, he's not buying Twitter. So, you know, uh, 
it, nobody's going to go back and watch the old video. Um, <clears throat> so it's very interesting. Um, you got to be is. able to move forward. If you make a mistake, if you say you, you just you can't think you got to make a video, put it out and then start start on the next one. It's kind of how it works. Yeah, it, it's a it's a benefit that since people forget, then they can be a bit more forgiving for other work. Correct. But it, it probably is a little frustrating, too. It's like that's, the you know, you do you like work on a video that you feel is amazing. And then the one that actually gets traction is like the one you, you know, you half asked. I'm sure. I'm sure. Correct. I mean, that's a pop. That's a common occurrence for people. I'm sure that can be very frustrating. Yeah. So, or it's like something that you don't. um you don't expect to be a problem. And then it's set like, you, you know, especially with comedy, it's hard. Like sometimes you're making, you make a joke and it's like, whoops, I shouldn't have done that. But, uh, <laughs> you gotta, you just can't, you know, you gotta move on. <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. You can't get too tangled up in things. So, uh, how is trying, cause you have, you not only this, um, the videos <laughs> you put on YouTube are viral, but a lot of your Twitter videos, in fact, which is a lot harder to do, I think is to actually get a Twitter video yeah. out and to get no, 10, no, 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 no plus views. That's a misconception. I'll, I'll explain. I'll explain. Okay. So here's the, here's the problem. Um, like it's, uh, so I think it's much easier to grow on Twitter than it is on YouTube. And the reason why I say that is because on Twitter, when you're interacting with the community and you're putting out videos, other people are sharing them. And they're sharing them on the platform that you shared them to. And because of that, there's a, there's this, um, there's like proximity to everything's all on one platform. So what I'm trying to say is the videos on Twitter that people are sharing tend to go viral much more so than if you put a YouTube link to a video onto Twitter. I don't know if you're familiar with this, but if you're putting, well, yeah, you have, yeah, I'm sure you are. So if you're putting a YouTube link on Twitter and expecting your YouTube video to get a bunch of likes from it, it's not. Most people don't mm -hmm. click on links outside of Twitter, but they will watch a video on Twitter that, that has a, you know, embedded and is playing, you know, the video, they'll sit and watch it. So that's my philosophy. I think it's easier to grow on Twitter. And I think Elon or whoever's, uh, whoever's running Twitter should be encouraging YouTubers to especially um, small YouTubers to put all their content out on Twitter on Twitter because it's much easier to grow. And then part of that is because once you get noticed by like one, two, three, four bigger channels and they start following you, they will share some of your videos and their 175,000 followers will see all of your will see the video that doesn't happen on YouTube. You don't have big channels like Mr. Beast sharing smaller videos on YouTube at the smaller. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It just doesn't happen. So it's like it's just like I'm trying to say that, like, you have a much bigger chance of going viral and gaining a bunch of followers on Twitter than you do on YouTube. That's just my perspective. I think the advantage of Tw YouTube is social. It feels like that is so tied up. Yeah, the algorithms that the human elements, it, it, it just seems so far detached from what's going on there. Whereas in Twitter, I think it's more immediate. I mean, there are algorithms on play, but you are right. There's a, there's a, there's something more human about it, about, because uh, yeah. it's not, it's not even just some company liking it, or it's not some, not some tech bro that works at YouTube like it. it's just a normal person. And it, the popularity, you know, the product to the popularity, that seems like a shorter connection. 
Are you? Yeah, like I could give you an example. Um, I'm trying to find one here um, from today. I got, I mean, I got 8,000 views on a video today in the past 20 hours, right? Mm-hmm. That's uh, somewhat common for me. I, sometimes I'll get 30, 40,000 views on Twitter. From, from from the same video, if I put it out on YouTube, it'll get about about like one to 2,000 on a good day for my channel. And it's like I said, it's because of the viral nature of Twitter. It's everybody's, you know, it's weird because people are sharing it, right? Like I'm like certain big channels follow me, like Shoe on Head follows me, um, like uh, Gary from Erotic, like some of, you know, those channels will share your content if they're nice <laughs> and uh, you're going to get a lot of views. That's just, yeah. Yeah. So it sounds like you're pretty happy with this, with the state of Twitter. Are you happy with yeah. what Musk is doing or do you have good feelings for the future of Twitter? That's up in the air. I, I, I wish that they would monetize, be able to, mo- like, I, I wish I could monetize my content on Twitter. You can't currently, which is sad. Well, maybe you can, but I don't have any access to any of that, like Twitter blue stuff at the moment. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, I wish, I wish there was a, a way to do, I think Mr. Beast has some really good ideas about how to fix Twitter. Um, uh, if uh, One of the best things you can do as a, a small independent YouTuber uh, is watch Mr. Beast's episode on Joe Rogan. Um, he, he just gives free advice away and it's brilliant advice. It's excellent advice. And he's the best. He's the best at it on YouTube by far. He's better than anybody. It's a great which, episode. Which is reflected yeah. in his astounding yeah. number of views astounding and on tiktok he broke he was the highest you know tiktok uh tiktoker this past year like fastest growing like a million subs or something i can't even i don't even know yeah tiktok tiktok <laughs> is weird though i i'm never sure how much i trust the numbers over there but i'm sure i could believe that he's the most popular i got and he got paid like nothing like like almost nothing for all that effort too i know <laughs> yeah it's wild so yeah. not to get too personal. So what did your family think when you were like, I want to focus on editing videos. I want to focus on working on YouTube. You know, some people, you know, my family is a bit more um, traditional. So they might be like, oh, you're going to be an influencer, huh? Right. You know, prepare to be hungry. Uh, what did uh, the people around you in your life think about this uh, career uh, path? My family is very creative. My dad's an actor and my mom's a singer. <laughs> And they, I, I like, it was so fast that I didn't even really, I, I wasn't like struggling for a while because I was working other jobs. Like I was doing retail, I was doing Uber, um, whatever I could do. And then college during college. And, uh, I was trying to get a, I have a degree in, I have a double majored in English and film studies and journalism actually. So I can, nice. <laughs> it's weird. My, my major was I was allowed to create my major at university. It's a called multidisciplinary studies. So I combined the English major with the film studies minor and the journalism minor into, into one, one thing. So that was, you know, they were excited, you know, they were happy I was doing that. And I was supposed to go into like journalism or like video production after that. And I didn't because I got, a job with a, a big YouTuber and it was, they were, they thought it was cool. Yeah. Nice. I'm glad to hear that. This is a, this is a good segue because 
Mm-hmm. You have sometimes earned the ire of a few journalists slash, uh, I mean, I don't know if I, I call Kotaku a news outlet, but uh, <laughs> outlets. Uh, and right. they're like, who is this person? How dare he make fun of? I don't even remember <laughs> what you made fun of. I got them so mad. Oh, do you mean on Twitter? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've, cause yeah. I've seen things before. People are like, how could this terrible person tell this joke? Who is this? Yep. Who is this strange lofty pixels? Yeah, it, it, when when you're when you're putting yourself out there, you're gonna get some feedback, right? And it's everything so polarizing that you're gonna get yell. You're this is an interesting segue because essentially what you should be doing in any public and in any kind of cre- creative field is avoiding at all costs any kind of bubble or or cult or picking and choosing a side of something definitely because what happens is if you're in a cult or if you're in a group and you you like quote unquote belong to some something if if you're behaving like you should be in a in a in a hive mind organism or like a group or or some sort of like um um like a cult like you're you are you're contributing to the group and therefore the group's growing in popularity and the group is doing something positive and you're contributing if you step out of that you have a bullseye on your face and that's what got me in trouble a couple times with various different kinds of people because i don't belong to a hive mind i don't belong to a group i don't i'm just kind of a person um and i that's actually what i like about the online nerd community because generally speaking the nerd community is is has always been um not very it's not it's not supposed to be a hive mind where we i've have our arguments with all kinds of different people in this community about movies about games and stuff about culture about uh, you know it's great um sometimes there's arguments that are you know because of how divisive we are um it's almost like well, you gotta you gotta pick your battles. <laughs> you almost have to pick pick your hill to die on sometimes. Yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah. I I've been I've been attacked more so from people who would be perceived as politically correct than anything else. That's probably where most of the aggression comes from. It's also probably because you're effective. It, it's one thing if if they're annoyed, but they consider that person like a gnat. But that yeah. you you and uh, the projects you've worked on have just done so well. That's effectiveness is big. That's correct. Um, because there's a there's element, there's some jealousy there. There's some people who are like, well, he's making a good point, so I have to cancel him. Like, you know what I mean? Like that kind of that mm-hmm. that kind of thing. Um, or like nobody should be nobody should be allowed to listen to this person because they're actually they're kind of getting to the bottom of something that's that's real and we don't want that exposed um and like i, I don't try to be like that kind of person like i'm i'm not some per, you know i don't that's one thing i don't think you should like i was saying this on my stream the other day to my fan followers because they were asking me about how to get how to grow their channels and i was like i don't think you should be uh anything except yourself like <laughs> you should be honest about your opinions you should be you should be able to like make friends with people with anybody and to disagree with them at the same time. Like you should never agree with somebody hundred percent ever. 
That's weird. That's like a cult. That's what a cult follower does with a leader. You know what I mean? And when the even when the leader steps out of line, sometimes the cults, they got to bring him back in. Like, hey, you can't say that. <laughs> you, 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 you're, you're supposed to stand for something. <laughs> you know what I mean? It gets wild. It is true. I've seen that um, with the quartering. There's a few times I can remember where he said some opinion like, oh, hey, whoa, we lost him. We got to we got to save Jeremy. <laughs> well, yeah, it well does Jeremy's, good at the, Jeremy's a kind of good at being himself. I think he's that's I think that's why he's popular. Somebody like I, I don't know how if I'm supposed to drop names here, but, <laughs> but only, I would say only somebody like Hassan. With. I would say somebody like Hassan Piker or Ethan Klein are in danger of because they are in a cult and they are cult leaders. They are in danger of getting in trouble with their own people if they say anything that goes against what they've basically laid the fr- the foundation for their own failure <laughs> or their demise. So that's the it's like weird this whole this society that we live in now is crazy. It's like it- it's hard to exist in it. Oh, it, it is. And you, I like that comment you said about the nerd community. You know, that that's kind of, yeah. I've always, that's what I grew up as. That's kind of what I think of myself first as, as a nerd. And I, you know, really until like 2014, 2015, if I went to some kind of convention or a D&D role play night or went to like go play MTG at the local, um, uh, I d- don't have a good word for this, <laughs> right. shop. That sounds dumb. Um, yeah. <laughs> Uh, it was like, it was great. Cause like politics never came up. No right. one really cared about that stuff. It was just kind of like the activity you're focused on. And, and that was it. Uh, and I think the, the community online largely still reflects that. I mean, I think sometimes people do get stuck on things, but yeah. for the most part, they seem more tolerant, at least than other communities these days. Is that fair? No, oh, that's fair. That's very fair. That's very fair. Um, there, there's, there is definitely intolerance in any direction, in any direction, wherever you go, there is intolerance, but the, the community, I would, if you call it the nerd community or the online social, um, whatever, I don't know what the hell to call it anymore. People call the fandom menace or whatever the hell these words are, mm-hmm. they are more accepting than uh, almost anyone else because if you got if uh, the, the, the reason is because they appreciate when you when you have a disagreement with them if you don't if you don't just resort to name calling if you say hey look i disagree with you but here's why instead of canceling them instead of dis- never talking to them not wanting to go on their shows ne- telling other pe- people to boycott their channels all that kinds of stuff i go on people's shows and disagree with them on their own show they like that they appreciate that and they'll accept you for it. Now, people, certain people on the other side of the political spectrum won't even let you go on their own show. They won't. I'll never even get to the point of being able to disagree in a friendly way with them because they won't let me on. Um, even though I might have a lot in common with these people, but it's like, oh, you're you're adjacent to X person, therefore you can't. You got to be canceled. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That's. That's the problem. And everybody sees it. Everybody sees it. You, you know what I mean? Everybody knows it. <laughs> you know, I don't know. I, I will push back a little bit because I, oh, by go the way, ahead. I, to- go ahead. I totally agree, by the way, that people get tunnel vision about their groups they're in. I just think yeah. that's how humans are built. You know, we, we're true. group thinking. Um, but there are times I have seen certain things where 
you see, especially in pop culture. So the new TV show or movie comes out and quickly people either decide, is this woke or is it not? And sometimes those things will really develop very quickly and you will be out of step in it. And, and some people, they can get pretty upset. I, you're right. You don't see as much blocking. You don't see as much cancellation, but it does happen. No, oh, no, it does happen. And I've been on the Yeah, no, I, I, I see it. I see it a lot. It's a problem. It's definitely a problem. One of the biggest problems is like part of that groupthink mentality where it's like, okay, a trailer comes out to a big to Indiana Jones, for example. Everyone already ha- has a preconceived notion in their heads what they're supposed to think about it, regardless of what actually is in the trailer. There's it's Indiana Jones, it's Disney, and it's a it's a re, it's a sequel, and all of these things are like running through their heads. Like, okay, so it's a sequel. It's it's uh, a modern Disney product. It's old indie. It has a young female in it. Without even watching the trailer, you're like, well, I guess I guess I'm not allowed to like this. And they go into the trailer with that mindset, and they, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It, it be, and then and then and then that sometimes that will um affect uh people's interpretations of things happened with the mario recently it, it, <laughs> yes, and, and it did. i got in trouble i got i didn't get in trouble but like i've got i pushed back against a lot of these, these some not everybody but some people in this community we're calling it woke we're saying that peach uh is a feminist now because she's leading an army which <laughs> that's her she's a freaking you know she's the, the leader of the kingdom you know that's what she does um and they're saying she's not a damsel in distress, so therefore it's it's a woke you know subversion of 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 the video games. And it's like we calm down a second, calm down. We're gonna have more than one Mario movie. She's probably gonna get captured in the second one, right? It's po- it's a it's a probability. I don't want to see her captured in every single Mario movie. That would be repetitive and boring. You know what I mean? It's like now that's yeah that's what's one example. Um, there's a bunch of examples of this stuff where. If you have a different opinion, you're going to get dogpiled. <laughs> yeah, and sometimes yeah. it's fun. Sometimes it is a little fun to be on the outside uh, pushing back. The Mario stuff is kind of funny because it was like it was like so yeah. little information. It was yeah. like there is nothing here we can work on to really make an opinion of any kind, except that Chris Evans' voice, which it does seem like it's getting better. Oh right, the oh, Chris Evans' gosh. voice thing is not political at all. That's just preference. That's just terrible. <laughs> yeah. But there, but there is this like, you know, well, we're supposed to hate on Hollywood. So that, that you, you have to come up with some excuse to hate Mario. And the, the, the easiest thing to do is to, to point to Princess Peach and she's wearing a, uh, you know, her Mario Kart suit. And therefore she's being masculinized. It, it, it's just it's a, it, it becomes a conspiracy theory. And it, it's very embarrassing, actually. Um, how, but... how From the creator side, how do you. And I don't want to say anyone is disingenuous. That's not what I want to imply. Right. Um, for the creator no, side, no. how do you think yeah. people end up into it? Is there a temptation sometimes to play up how woke something might be in the hopes that it gets more clicks? Or do you think people generally just oh, oh, man. do that? Um, I would say, I'd say you have to. You have to be clickbaity. And if you want to grow your channel, everybody knows this. I'm not saying anything. I'm not giving away any secrets. But you should be balancing that with genuine, with being a genuine, uh, m- you know, media critic, you know, critic, right? And I think mm-hmm. a lot of people that I'm that I'm friends with do a good job of that. Um, and 
like uh, what I mean by that is like the balance, like it should be like, uh, you know, 80, 20. And like, you gotta have, like I said, you gotta have some, you gotta have a clickbait topic every once in a while, especially, oh, it's hard to describe. It really is hard to describe because it's very complicated, but I don't think anyone's being disingenuous when they're actually talking about the stuff. When they're talking about the stuff, I think people are giving their honest opinions and you can see it with Avatar. A lot of this community that I'm describing enjoyed the movie despite knowing and they said that despite knowing that their own fan fans might call them shills or like consumers or Disney, you know, paid Disney shills or something. And I appreciate that. I think Avatar was great. I think the way everybody handled it was fantastic. And and, and if you don't like Avatar, don't don't pretend to to like it. Like I, I genuinely believe people like Nerdrotic didn't like it. You know, I don't have a problem with any with his take on any of it. Oh, Gary. Yeah. Nerd yeah. in particular. I, I, he is completely, yeah, no, that is, that is who that guy is. <laughs> He's just not a fan of, of that kind of storytelling. I get it. I get it. There, there is a lot of people in the, in, in, in the community though, that actually enjoy the negativity. Um, and I don't know if they, if it's like a chicken and the egg thing, if they, if they enjoy it, so they become trolls or if they're so traumatized by what modern cult, what modern art is 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 becoming that they become cynical like you know what i mean like no good point sometimes it's hard to tell um and i think they get wrapped up in in, in, in a lot of negativity and name calling and rude insinuations that are completely unwarranted like calling somebody a shill for liking or disliking something or a contrarian or you know what i mean because it, mm-hmm. you know you're you're yeah it's just it's hard to pinpoint what the hell the problem is <laughs> i wonder if part of the problem is that we have these properties that we really invested in and we love so mm-hmm. for me I lo- i'll use doctor who doctor who is fantastic i loved it it was very special to me. It was something I, it was kind of, it was the big sci-fi franchise that really took most of my energy, though I love Star Wars and Star Trek and the rest. Yeah. And watching what happened to it, it does make you kind of retroactively look at the rest of it and wonder if it was, oh, yeah. if it was actually good. And then you become more sensitive to things that didn't bother you necessarily before. You're like, was this a sign of what's to come? Mm-hmm. Uh, do you have any of that for yeah, you when I you do. try to engage with this stuff? I can't help it. I, I definitely do. Big, a big example is Sony. I, I, I almost I almost gag have a gag reflex at this point for anything that Sony puts out. Uh, just personally, I, 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 have, I don't like to use the word traumatized or anything like that. Some people use that word. People use the word like um, what's the other uh, analogy that people use, like putting your hand on the stove and it burns. So you like <laughs> you take it away and you never put it back on again. It's like, well, I'm not physically going to throw up because uh, w- one of one movie comes out that sucks. Right. <laughs> or one of my franchises is ruined. Like, I'll go back and watch them again. But so but for example, Sony has destroyed Venom. Sony has destroyed Morbius. Sony has put out uh Oh, God. Well, Venom 1 and 2 were horrible. They ruined Carnage. Uh, the only thing that I've liked from them recently was the Spider-Man movies, but that's just basically them trying to be Disney. <laughs> that's all it is. Like, they're just might as well be a Disney uh, Marvel MCU movie. Um, there's other stuff I'm not thinking. Uh, Uncharted sucked. Um, 
I don't know. Sony just bothers me. So yeah, I have, a, I have, a, I'm probably not going to, I'm probably going to have a bad taste in my mouth going forward when, when I hear something's going to be a Sony pro- production. Um, I can't avoid it. And, and I did the same thing with, um, wow. I like to try to give things the benefit of the doubt. I, yeah, I, me too. I, as much as possible, because a lot of the time so I've been surprised, like Dune was fantastic. Dune was supposed to be bad. <laughs> it was like, oh, well, here's another Hollywood remake of a, of a classic. They're going to destroy it. And then they showed like that Grim Reaper meme where they're like, uh, here's the uh, Grim Reaper kills Star Wars. Grim, Grim Reaper kills Star Trek. Grim Reaper kills uh, such and such. And then here comes Dune. Well, it did. <laughs> it didn't. It didn't. Dune was great. You know, um, I thought Arcane was fantastic. I liked Edge Runners. I liked Invincible. Those are all adaptations. Those are all good at Hollywood adaptations, modern. So I have, I just have a little bit more optimism. That's all. Yeah. You know, sometimes, it, you know, I think a production, you should take it on its own merits. Sometimes, you know, Edge Runners, there were definitely some things in there that you could argue were woke or more politically progressive. Oh, sure. I don't think that, that took away from it. It's just, no. that's how they wanted to do the storytelling. And, you know, it's it, wokeness often is a flavor. You don't want everything to be the same flavor. And often it's an excuse just to, it's a bad production. This feels like this is kind of protecting it. But that doesn't mean something's automatically bad. But I don't think people are quite ready for that conversation, especially when they feel like they're always under fire for this kind of stuff. It's, it's a hard conversation to have, especially when you're having it with tens of thousands of people. You, you can't, you can't have it. You can have it with one person or five. But I've, I've, I will say the woke thing bothers me because they lump it. A lot of people seem to lump everything into the cat, into the category of woke or the, 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 the genre or whatever you want to call it. And it's like, Oh, save the whales avatar Two, save the whales. That's woke. It's, 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 it's dances with wolves in space. Well, I, I, I remember all these people were when, you know, a lot of these people like Fern Gully and a lot of these people like dances with wolves. (laughs) And they like the same. The Fern Gully is extremely environmental, environmentalist in its messaging. And these same people who won't go see Avatar 2 because it has whales will sit down and watch Fern Gully for the 35th time, you know, on their VHS. It's like and and I like to point out a lot of these hypocrisies because I think it's, it's very, very convinced. It's very it's a good way to get your point across and make that make these people kind of think twice about what they're saying. Um, and I do that. I try to do that because I, I, I don't, I, I don't like people around me tr- all thinking the same and having the same thoughts. <laughs> so, no, I understand. And I, I just, it goes back to why I, why I consider myself a nerd gone to in the first place. Yeah. It's about loving, loving these, these franchises, loving these fandoms, these contents. It's like, I don't want to just judge everything based. It's going to fall into one category or other. The people who are always pushing wokeness, that's what they do. Um, yeah. If you are, if you are in favor of great storytelling and these franchises, you don't just want to be the mere version of that. I mean, right. then what really are we creating here? You don't want to do that. You don't want to do that. Um, but you don't want to be what you don't want to be a woke show or a woke movie. You don't want identity. You, you don't want your identity to be that like, which, which happens all the time in Hollywood. Hollywood producers will hire from the top down on certain films and certain productions and certain franchises. They will hire based on it's just it's how it is. Intersectionality, um, social agenda, and it, and it seeps its way into the into the into the material like you see it 
with a lot of stuff. Ghostbusters 2016. You see it. You see it with Terminator Dark Fate. You see. I mean, t- you see it with a lot of stuff. Like I'm not discounting any of that. But there's a difference between those, in my opinion, and like if Tarantino made Kill Bill Volume Three today and was criticized for for falling into the feminist bandwagon. It's like no, he's not. He's not doing that. Yeah, have you seen the original? Did you yeah, see you the seen? originals? Yeah. And the, the women kick so much ass in that movie and in those films, and they beat the fuck out of men that are twice the size of them. Like, that's the same argument they use today. And it's like, well, so it, you guys, it depends on how it's done, how tasteful it is. You have to be mm-hmm. able to interpret the art that's in front of you. You have to be able to, like, you have to have some level of media literacy. Because if, if you're just like a, a robot and you're like looking and you're counting, how many women are on screen and how many men are on screen and that's that you know that 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 you have an algorithm or something that's bad that's very bad lofty do you feel like do you feel like things are changing at all in terms of what you know for one okay so okay so like for one factor of course the economy we're going to recession so where disney might think they could get away putting out something like last jedi where they're just kind of half-assing it and it's kind of politically correct now they really do have to think about it because they have to get right. And also we see things like with, um, I'm sad at the result, but Henry Cavill, who has come out and it's pretty obvious, he's a huge Witcher fan. He's read all the books by Sapowski. He's like, yeah. he's gung-ho. And while he he kind of lost that fight, it was really, it, it gave me a lot of hope seeing someone with that much influence and effect being open about being a fan and wanting to do right by those franchises. Do you think, does that give you hope? Do you think our things are going to change? Or what do you think is the future of uh, wow. the, the media woke question? I think it's going to be a hodgepodge of... <clears throat> I think it's going to be chaos for the next ver- semi-long period of time. I think eventually you won't see a drop, any kind of dramatic anything. Um, <clears throat> Hollywood's not going to crash and burn like people are predicting. Oh, in three years, Hollywood's dead. Disney's not going to last five years. Yeah, yeah, they will. Uh, but it's also not going to be like 100% woke, you know, because because like you said, um, there are there's people in the industry who care about um, art and they care about the art over the politics. Tarantino, Quentin Tarantino is, is still making films in the Hollywood industry and he doesn't give a shit about. I'm sorry if I'm not allowed to swear I'm in this platform on your show. If it's but, a problem, uh, I'll just believe it. Don't worry. Yeah. Tarantino doesn't care about political correctness he's never has neither does christopher nolan neither does martin scorsese neither uh, there's so many directors in the system that are great and it's like they're not going to go away and then people have people like robert eggers coming up right who just didn't who just got yelled at by hollywood by by twitter for making an all-white viking movie right he doesn't care (laughs) he doesn't actually care and the studios don't care. Um, they, they care about money. They really do. That's what they care about. No, exactly. And if they they understand the money is with the fans, then yeah. they'll come back. At least, I hope. That's what I hope. <laughs> I hope so. I, the problem is uh, that movie made $70 million, unfortunately. And it, it The Northman is the best film of the year by far, in my opinion, like artistically. And even in terms of, I think I consider it a blockbuster. I think it's an epic movie. But it only made $70 million because, and I yell at people on my side all the time because they don't go see these movies because they're like, I'm not going to pay, give Hollywood my money. And then I'm like, well, 
why would you not go see a good movie that you want actually enjoy and get and and prove to Hollywood what you want to watch? Like, tell them what you want to watch with your money. That that it makes absolutely no sense to me. So now Robert Eggers is screwed because you didn't go see his movie. Now he's got to pander to the other side. It's like, are you are you crazy? Don't do that. Please go watch movies that you guys think are good. Watch them. <laughs> go to the theaters. Yeah, it's not enough just to be against things. You also no, have to find, find things that are worthwhile investing. Okay, so I'll have one more question and then we'll closing thoughts. Oh, sure. So the G4 TV stuff. Yeah. Uh, were you a fan of G4 TV back in the day? I don't yes. know how old are you, but you remember all that that period? Oh, yeah. And in, in middle school, I was watching G4. Um, Chris Gore, I believe, turned me on to... Uh, old boy which is like a foreign movie that is really cool uh i remember like i I watched american psycho when i was like 15 because attack of the show or whatever like i was talking about it um i loved it i loved g4 back in the day i loved the show icons where they went over it was a documentary about all these different iconic people and game developers I like yes, G4. yes, I do remember, remember that. That? they had they had good documentaries they, yeah, they, they did. Would pump one out every now and then yep that's great but now okay. now it's it's done it's yeah now it's bad <laughs> I know that it's painful I, I was gonna ask what did you think of that whole debacle and what do you think the lesson should be the takeaway because it's been about exactly it's pretty close to exactly a year that this whole yeah 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 there's started. a there, there's a couple of different lessons one it's not just don't don't well it is the, the number one thing is don't attack the people that are watching you don't do it i mean you could do it but you're going to get canceled i'm not going to get canceled but no one's going to watch you and then you're going to you're going to have to find another job um but that that falls on frost i think or the people who hired him now i know g4 was trying to do other forms of entertainment like they were doing vtuber content that was somewhat edgy and controversial and you know not politically correct but you know which is fine but they screwed up because they didn't they didn't punish the person that was in the headlines. They didn't go out of their way to tell them, OK, look, this is not who we are. We apologize to the fans. It's their responsibility. So not only did Frost screw up, but G4 pr- production and G4, you know, the, the, the team, everybody, everybody, nobody came. Everybody came to her defense and it was just a very bad idea. And they paid the price. Yep. That's my, how I saw it. That's how I saw it too. And I, I did, and part of me feels bad because I think Frost, I don't know if she has some kind of issues. I honestly think she just, she walked into the, the buzzsaw. Yeah. I don't think she understood. Like, I agree. Sweetie, yeah. well, sweetie, we, we don't say that out loud, actually. Like, I know our company says it. We don't, act, you know, you're not actually supposed to <laughs> yeah. say that. She, no, no, no. Here's another, well, you're, you're right, but, but she's all, she also came off as very egotistical and like it making the show about her. She even said in the thing, she was like, this wasn't scripted or I, I'm going to, I'm going to use my, I'm going to go off script here and talk about, and they, and they were like, oh, what is she going to say? The people next to her had no idea. Yeah. You know, you can't do that. Oh my <laughs> gosh. Their faces that, that is, it's, that's, it can still see it in my head too. <laughs> Adam just, Sessler oh, was like, Wait, where is it? I have a clapping? Adam Sussman's like clap, clap, clap. <laughs> you guys remember that? <laughs> that was funny. Oh my gosh, that's it's so weird. It's so weird. It's so sad to see yeah. our icons fall. All right, Lofty, 
what are you doing now and where can people follow, find you? Well, speaking of icons falling, there are icons rising. So, uh, you know, I include myself in, in that as but there's a plenty, there's plenty of us, you know, sub, sub to all these people that we referenced, I referenced tonight, um, Nerdrotic, Geeks and Gamers, um, go sub to some of these smaller channels like Flaccid Phoenix, give a little shout out to Flaccid Phoenix, the Midweek Hump, all these guys are trying to be a positive in, influence in the community. Um, Such creative names. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's entertaining, you know, it's just murder. It's just. It's nerds having fun talking to each other about stuff. But yeah, my channel is Lofty Pixels on YouTube. And it's just, and Twitter, L-O-F-T-I Pixels. And I do I do video games, anime, movies, television, comics. Uh, I'm a, I have a lot of hobbies. But I do live streaming twice, you know, a couple times a week. I make funny videos. I usually make fun of politically incorrect things because I think I think it's genuinely some of the funniest comedy objectively if you're if you're offended by that you're pretending to be offended you're actually laughing if you're by yourself in the the bathroom taking a poop and you're you're watching some video (laughs) that you and then you tweet out how offensive it is but reality in reality you're laughing you're laughing and you're you're peeing your pants because that's how funny it is we've seen the dave Chappelle numbers we know everyone's (laughs) watching everybody wants to watch it and they then they go on twitter and say it's offensive but reality they're laughing that's that's my theory (laughs) <laughs> I agree. Well, Lofty, thanks so much for taking the time to uh, uh, come here on the podcast. This is a great conversation. I'm sure the audience will enjoy it. And of course, you like Lofty says, go yeah. check those people out. Follow Lofty's stuff. His, you know, even if you're not into YouTube, his Twitter, he's just a, he's a pretty funny guy, and he usually has a pretty good insight now and then. So great that you mm-hmm. came here today. And uh, until next time, our viewers, keep geeking out. <laughs>